Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady and Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCrady. I'll be your host today on the show, as will Martin Palomo. He joins me as well today on our uh, little show. We are going to talk to Bob Anderson. He is the CFO of CDA Hospitality. Obviously, the uh, hotel travel business, that kind of thing has been uh, impacted quite a bit as you might could imagine, by the whole coronavirus, pandemic, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, uh, hell on, on earth, uh, whatever it is that you want to call it, uh, that's, that's, it's impacted hotels dramatically. So we'll talk about, we'll talk about that business and uh, whatever else uh, might come up here on the show. Before we do that, let me tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number that you call. You ask for my friend Corey Clark. And you tell Corey what Ford product you're interested in, he sends you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's that simple. It's uh, no hassle, no haggle. He's not going to bother you. He's going to give you a quote. It's going to be right to the bottom line. And the rest is completely up to you. You can take that quote and uh, start shopping it elsewhere. That's your prerogative. You can do it. It's your right. Go for it. Or you can do what I've done uh, multiple times now, what I would recommend that you at least consider doing. And that's getting into a Clark Ford today. You'll love the service. You'll uh, love the product. Corey's going to take great care of you long after the sale. Delivery options, the whole deal. If you don't live near Amory, it's okay. Call, get a quote. You never know where it might lead you. 662-257-1900. And Martin, before we get started, tell the people about Pinnacle Trust. Appreciate you, Neil. Uh, man, glad to be back. We are we are actually back in our studio uh, at Lost Rabbit. Uh, I believe uh, Stacy has started calling this... Uh, the Pelican Club Studios um, for a piece of art that he did. So kind of, it kind of feels good to be back to, I'm going to call it normal, you know, um, my regular Tuesday, 10 o'clock. Be careful. Be careful with normal. My God, be careful. I know, man. That's a bad, it's a four letter word now. Um, But I'm going to just cuss. I'm going to cuss all over this podcast and we're back to normal. Um, I've got, (laughs) I've got my buddy Bob with me and we're going to talk about him in just a minute. He's with me in the studio today. Um, I guess we probably are about six feet away from each other, but I'm not necessarily, that wasn't intentional. It's just how the tables are, are I think, set up. I think you measured it, Martin. It must um, be exactly six it's, feet. It's exactly, you know? it's exactly six feet. So, yeah, I want to thank you both for having me on the, sh- on the show, Martin and Neil. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's a great honor to be here, so I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, man. Yeah, and, we'll, and we're going to jump into your story in, in just a second, too. Um, real quick, before we get into Bob's story and talk him talking about what he does, uh, you know, one of the things I did say, we're kind of back to normal, and that's actually happening at Pinnacle as well. We are, we are welcoming our, our clients and uh, prospects back in the office. We, we are doing a few things to, you know, to be res- respectful of people's um, desires for, for safety. So some of our folks who want to continue meeting, uh, you know, over, over the Internet through Zoom meetings, we're going to continue to do that. But for folks that, that do want to come back in for the face-to-face, we um, – you know, we are taking some precautions for uh, be, being respectful of people's, um, you know, wishes and desires as it relates to, you know, to the virus. Um, we've ordered some uh, some of those cool plexiglass uh, sneeze guards to p- put up on our conference tables. They are removable. Um, so if folks say, hey, I don't care about that, we can take it off the table. But for folks that say, hey, I would like that extra, you know, piece of uh, plexiglass between us, we'll we'll have it there. Um, you know, just for, just for folks, folks, comfort levels, um, you know, not that, uh, you know, some people are still very concerned about this, uh, this virus and, and we want to be, you know, we do want to be respectful of that. Um, so <clears throat> as we reopen and we are welcoming people back into the office, you know, pe- folks will know there's a little bit different protocols. Um, you know, we'll have a few, a few questions we'll ask, uh, and then also have, have things in place in the event that folks do want to come back in. But, uh, if your advisor hasn't called or talked to you or communicated with you at all through this stuff, give us a shot. Um, we'd love the opportunity to, 
to try and earn your business, uh, you can get us on the phone, 601-957-0323, or email us, info at PINNtrust.com. We're really active on social media with Facebook and Twitter. You can search us, Pinnacle Trust or Mind on My Money podcast, uh, and we'll respond back to you there. But um, best way to get us is old-fashioned telephone, 601-957-0323, or email info at PINNtrust.com. Bob, thanks again for your time today. so you've been you've been in the the hospitality hotel industry for the last little uh, decade and a half or so. Tell us a little bit. So you're CFO at um at your investment or development company, uh, but you kind of wear a bunch of different hats. Give tell us a little bit about what you do, what your role is, what you guys do, and then I want to talk about the impact that the coronavirus has had on hotels and your industry. And I know that I say that lumping you all together, realizing that. You not, you know, one one is not necessarily the same as 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 the other, and I want you to talk a little bit about that too. So yeah, thanks again for having me. Um, you know, I, I came to the hotels world kind of by I would call it almost by an accident. I, I at one time had been an aero engineer and um, in my initial career out of school, and uh, kind of decided to make a, a different jump into some in, into a different phase of life and a different career, and went back got a business degree and. Um, uh, kind of by hook and crook, I ended up uh, after that that MBA program. I got to talking one day with one of my professors, and uh, you know, he said they had started a hotel development group or uh, kind of an investment group, more accurately, and um, it acquired a couple of hotels and done well with it. And they thought about doing something different going forward. And I'd been working at that time for three years in a, a, in an apartment development company, working the financial side of that. And so I was kind of ready for a new challenge, and um, and I, and I love the idea of kind of getting into hotels. And so we literally, it was kind of like one of those stories where you sat in on a restaurant, and um, now my managing partner, uh, we sat down and literally on a napkin and drew up the plans for the first hotel that we had developed. And it's now, if you live in the Jackson area, then you know it as the uh, the uh, Holiday Inn over by Bass Pro Shop. And, yeah, by, uh, by the baseball, by Trustmark Park, too. Exactly. And so we've been there. That hotel's been there now for, I guess, around 12 years. Uh, recently remodeled. And that was the first new development that we did um, with, with a couple uh, other partners and uh, and some investor uh, folks behind us. That began our journey and uh, kind of got our, our, our feet wet really quickly and kind of learned the ropes. Uh, we took off a bit off a of, uh, quite of a bit of that first project. Um, in, in retrospect, it probably would have been wise to do a smaller kind of a, a stick build uh, hotel, but we, we launched right off into a you know a five story, 120 room concrete and steel building, and we learned a lot from that process and carried that forward and began to build more hotels in Mississippi and create jobs. And at that time, I think we were recognized by Mississippi Business Journal as one of the, the uh, fastest growing companies in Mississippi. Awesome. So we were, we were proud of that. And uh, in, our, in our heritage as Mississippi-based, we began to build built, uh, some in Alabama. And, um, and so, um, and, you know, as, as you said, Martin, in a, in a small company, I've worked for two Fortune 500 companies. And that's, that sounds really glitzy. But I honestly love what I do going to work each day in a small company because... I mean, I may be closing $10 million of bonds one day. The next day, I'm, I may be cleaning up the kitchen. It's yeah. just the way it works. And <laughs> so I love that. Um, and as a, my background in engineering, I often can get involved in the architectural and engineering side as we yeah. develop properties. So, um, and that's that's kind of what we do. We each wear our hats. I've got a partner who uh, uh, handles the operations side of the properties, and, and I really deal more on the development and financial side. And so you guys have, so you've got the, gar- the I mean, the, um, the Holiday Inn Express that's over there by uh, the Trustmark Park. And then you have Hilton property, right, as well? Yeah, the full-service Holiday Inn um, over by – Or full-service Holiday Inn, yeah, my bad. I said Express. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a common thing. Uh, but there is an Express, which doesn't have quite the same amenities, and, and there is one in Pearl. Um, so, And we also have the Hilton Garden Inn in Flowood, which is kind of near our offices. Um, it's yep. 112 rooms, 71,000-square-foot uh, property we're very proud of. Um, right adjacent to, to Lakeland Drive. Also have the uh, Hampton Inn in West Point, Mississippi, the Microtel Inn in Suites in Starkville, which is the, one of the group's uh, first acquisitions when contemplating getting into the business. Um, we have a, uh, we can kind of dive into this later, but we also have a uh, former country in a Suites property that we decided a couple years ago 
um, to convert it and do something different with it. And it's a whole story in and of itself. It's sure. no longer a hotel. Um, and I think that's one of the cool stories of our business. Yeah. And we can dive into that, um, you know, at some point in the show too. So, but meaning you- I love Hilton Garden Inn, by the way, I'm a Hilton. What is a- Hilton, Hilton honors. honors. Yeah. I'm, I'm called a Hilton whore and, and, uh, <laughs> I, I love, I, most sports writers are Marriott people. And I mean, I have Marriott, I have Marriott rewards and stuff, but it, I just never, when I was covering Auburn all those years ago, there was a Hilton garden in, I guess it was in Auburn. Maybe it was technically in Opelika, but I stayed there enough that one day I walked in and the, and the girl behind the desk said, welcome home, Mr. McCready. And, uh, I was there a lot. And, uh, anyway, I'm a, I'm a huge Hilton garden Inn fan. I think it's one of the, one of the sneaky, Sneaky underrated uh, uh, hotel chains. I know it's part of the Hilton deal, but but in and of itself, it's really cool. Yeah, and I, I think there was one of the things too. Just piggybacking off of what you said, Neil, was it's it's part of the Hilton family. But but Bob, so like most of the Hilton properties, like Garden Inns and whatnot, are are all owned by small business owners, right? Not by Hilton yeah, corporate. Yeah, very we, true. And you hear, hear the name, you know, Hilton or Hilton Garden Inn, and people think, oh, it's owned by some massive conglomerate. Hilton is a, a publicly traded company. And, uh, um, and so, yeah. you know, as I hear people talking during the, the, the coronavirus uh, quarantine, and now we've begun to go back out and for curbside service, and, and I've actively encouraged people, hey, you know, get with your local business people, support them, go out to the restaurants, do what you can. But I, I've started realizing that I had to educate people that my business is a small business yeah. because just because I have a Hilton brand doesn't mean that I'm Hilton. We right. we can talk about that, but we're franchisees of the franchisor Hilton, and that's that's the most common way that of most of the fifty four thousand um, hotels in America are. They're mostly franchisee owned. You oh. raise your capital, your equity, you go to the bank, get it financed. Um, if you don't have the experience, you can hire a management company and you launch right. off and you, and you make it work and you serve the public in your community. Right. So like your big, <clears throat> and we'll just stay on, let's stay on the Hilton flag just because I also am a, uh, an honors member. So I just know more about their properties than the others. It's so like your big Hiltons that are, you know, like, a <clears throat> Hilton in New York times square, the, you know, your big flagships, those are corporate, mostly corporate owned. They can be correct? private, privately owned. A lot okay. of the, some of the larger hotels can be corporate owned. Um, so I, I don't have the exact numbers of the split, but yeah, some of the larger ones are. So one of the big pushes I've seen and I get, you know, I get emailed from Hilton a lot since, since I'm an honors member. And, um, you know, one of the things I really saw them and, and, and I kind of like Neil, I have, uh, you know, I have some points in Marriott, but I just tend to stay Hilton more. That's just where I started. I started Hilton. So I just continued to try to rack points up there. Um, but I saw really Hilton first push out, Hey, here are the things that we are doing to, you know, help you feel safe. And I don't, even if it was a placebo, you know, that it's, they're already doing those things. And I know they said they're going to like, in some rooms going to take out coffee makers or things that you are high touch that are kind of hard to, to keep clean. Um, but it was kind of, I had one of those little chest puff moments where I was like, yeah, that's, that's my hotel. That's my brand. They're looking out for me and, you know, and I think they're trying to get that message out to, Hey, it's safe to come back and stay. Has that, has that been the same across all of the different flags, the Marriott, the IHG, the, um, different brands of hotels. Yeah, each of the major franchisors are working on on health and safety programs to uh, to to make people safe and to and to help them have a comfort level that that's yeah. happening. Psychological and, benefit. Yeah, and there yeah. there's some things like I, I think it may have been Marriott. I saw that's uh, contemplating after the after the housekeeper cleans a the room, they'll actually put a seal, a, a paper seal around the door so that you know no one's else been in that room. Yeah, I saw that from Hilton. Did a they said they were gonna have a little sticker that was going to go in the frame too, where if it was the sticker was broken, you know, that, that someone had been in there since. It yeah. It's a, I guess it's an expanded concept. Sure. We, we uh, began to do that in some hotels with a, you know, a paper wrap around the toilet. So, you know, well, one, no one's been there, you know, just see, so you know. and I had those experiences with the sticker, the tape when I was a kid, but it was when I was in band and we'd go on band trips. That's how they made sure that we didn't leave our room in the middle of the night. Cause we were a bunch of heathens. <laughs> the drummers were, and our tape was always broken, um, <laughs> but we did end up getting the, housekeeping we would talk them into coming in and taping our door back <laughs> sneaky little guys we are we were drummers we were idiots well we're not going to protect uh to keep the keep anyone in just so you know so you're free nice. to escape at any time <laughs> free to escape <laughs> um so so there is this big push of of comfort because you know so you're a small business as this has been shut down 
been a huge negative impact for for you guys because people are not traveling, right? Yeah, um, let's be uh, let's clarify. Mississippi, we were never uh, legally and governmentally shut down. Uh, our businesses uh, dramatically dropped in occupancy as people chose not to travel, and that's really you know the way in America I think it should be is right. Uh, and so, out of a, a spirit of health and safety, we all kind of did what we could um, across the board. You know, we saw occupancies drop probably in line with the national average, probably around ninety percent, um, and that's draconian. We can talk more about numbers, um, but yeah, we're we're going to do uh, a lot of things health and safety wise uh, looking forward. It's really going to be reflected in the food and beverage service. Um, I, I really think, and then our Hampton Inn's probably looking forward that you, you won't see a lot of food out for the touch. Buffets and are buffets probably gone. are probably going to be gone. Um, and it may be that they come back at some point in time, but there'll be a lot of changes. Nice. Nice. How, that is going to be one of the most interesting things is we are, I don't think people realize how accustomed we are at hotels to going down and, 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 you know, pouring a coffee and you grab however many sugars and you, 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 you get the, the creamers there and you pick it up, you, you coffee shops too, hotels, whatever. Yeah. I, I think that's a thing of, of the past, at least, at least in the immediate future. I don't, I don't think that's going to be standard any longer. It's going to be fat. So, which means if I'm thinking, if I'm just kind of extrapolating this out in my mind, a hotel is going to have to have more employees present at, you know, at breakfast uh, or like, I think about Embassy Suites that, that is, is famous for the happy hour. Homewood Suites has that as well, where they serve meals at, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights and during like the five o'clock, six o'clock hours. There's going to have to be more staff there because people aren't going to be able to serve themselves. Yeah, with each type of hotel, uh, that will differ. Uh, for a full-service hotel, uh, you, you're not going to be doing a buffet, and so you may we'll have staff there to serve them, well, certainly at our Alumni House restaurant in the, yeah. in the Holiday Inn. But in a Hampton Inn, for example – a hot in express, um, you know, and in our microtel, you, you're probably going to see a lot of, you know, bag breakfast to go, but you won't see like what we used to have on, uh, I love the beautiful table in Hampton Inns that you're all familiar with. It's oh, a yeah. communal table. You come in and there'll be a, a bowl full of apples yep. and fruit there. Those are gone. I think that's going to be gone for, yeah. uh, for a while. For a little while. Yeah. So, you know, I know a lot of it is just about confidence, right? It's people, cause you're right. You, you, you stepped in and said, you know, Hey, Mississippi never actually shut down. It was just, people have chosen, you know, not to travel. <clears throat> so we've had other big things happen. You know, we had nine 11 was kind of a, for me, at least that's the big one. I remember where, you know, the attacks happened. People were a little bit shaky about traveling, you know, getting on an airplane or so then therefore, you know, I guess the ripple effect is, you know, a little bit less, uh, less folks coming into hotels other than maybe if they could drive. Um, how long did, do you, and you may not know the answer, but you probably do. You're an engineer. You're, you're around during that time and you probably, you know, you know, how long did it take for people's confidence to come back to, Hey, it's safe to travel. And then did the industry do anything or did, did folks just come to that? You know, I wasn't working in the hotel industry at that time. Um, and so I, my, my uh, comments may be more anecdotal, but I can say this, that, um, I, you know, I can even look at data. I looked at some yesterday in the, in the year after, uh, nine 11, the hotel nationwide hotel occupancies were 59%. That's not dramatically different and off from our historical averages of, you know, low 60, 62, 63 kind of percent. And so we probably saw a, a, a nice tail off in the days and months after nine 11, but I think largely the public understood that the threat was more isolated. Yeah. It was a one-time event. We're doing a lot to, to protect, you know, America from that. It was more of a national security event. This is one where if you can fear it, it's there. And I and I and I, I use the word psychological scarring is a is a term I've started using lately. Is that I, I hope that that doesn't occur. That we can't get into the mindset that if we if we fear it, then it's real. Right. Because really, you know, we can all become Howard Hughes very quickly. <laughs> And, 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 and there's reason not to, to belittle it. There is reason to be careful and to be safe. Um, that button on the elevator, sure, it could have a germ on it. But right now, the fear is that literally every square inch from your airline to your Uber 
uh, to get into your hotel room and your check-in process, people fear. So yeah. we're going to have to get past that. We'll, we'll, the virus will be, will no longer be around at some point, but we're going to continue to make people feel safe, and I think that's going to continue. You know, if you look at hotels, they'd already begun a process of having a keyless um, kind of a yeah. di- digital yeah. check-in process. Absolutely. That's going to be really magnified going forward. Yeah, You're not I- going to be stopping at the front desk so much and talking to Susie. If you'd like to, you can. And we'd be glad, glad to welcome you and, and tell it's our pleasure to serve you. But you also have the option to check in on your phone, go straight to your room and check in and, and, and get there. Yeah, so. and that's a benefit I already like. I like going on, you know, a day ahead of time, selecting the room that I'm going to be in, knowing where I'm going to be. I get the, the keyless, um, the digital key for uh, for the Hilton properties and the ones that have it. And honestly, most of the ones that I've been to, most of them all have it now. Um but, uh, but yeah, I, th- I think things like that are going to change. Uh, and I, I, you know, I couldn't think of any time and you may, and you may say, no, Martin, you're wrong. There is a time where, where we have been in, in, in a really, in a state of, of, of panic and fear, whether it's, you know, whether it's true or, or all perceived or, or real. Um, cause I mean, in, I was in DC in 09 when H1N1 was you know, where there was the threat of H1N1, um, but we were also coming out of the back end of, you know, massive financial crisis. So, in, and I was in the investment business, so I can't, it was like, I, yeah, I knew that there was something out there virus-wise, but, uh, but you know, it didn't, I was more concerned on that my portfolios were totally melting down. Um, so, and we didn't stop traveling as a, as a corporate, and I was working for a consulting firm. We didn't stop traveling as a consulting firm you know, during all of that. And of course I wasn't there during, I guess it was, was it Oh three that was SARS? Uh, was it a SARS outbreak and, or was it MERS? I can't yeah. remember. I was, it was, I, I'm doing everything two weeks at a time. I can't look back more than two weeks or look forward more than two weeks. I'm in a two week, <laughs> I'm in a two week mode. Now it's 2003, I believe was, was SARS. But Martin, you, yeah, you, you spoke right. of the, the 2008 crisis and I was in the hotel business at that time. And I remember it ve- very vividly. It was very tough on the industry. Um, you know, we'd actually just opened two brand new hotels, including the one over by, uh, uh, the baseball field in Pearl. And so it was a tough time to get launched. And I look back at the numbers from that year or the, the immediate follow, uh, the following year, 2009 and, uh, hotel occupancies nationwide, were 54%. So that was a big, big hit. And you have to understand the economics of a hotel, really, that around that level, you're starting to get into the to the red in terms of break-even. Hotels tend to be kind of a, um, a highly leveraged kind of an asset investment. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we run normally in, in good years, as I said, we're running a low 60% occupancy as a, as a nation, you know, national average. Um, some properties do much better. They can do, you know, 75 80%. Um, you know, and to give you kind of a frame point, uh, last two years been a, just a booming, piping hot economy. Uh, we were running 66%. That was a 30-year high. Well, let me give you, I mentioned wow. a minute ago that um, I saw Hilton CEO Chris Nassetta said that they expected their April revenues to be down uh, 90%. Well, their revenues track in tandem with ours. They, they basically get a percentage of our revenues. So they're off 90%. That's pretty much in line with what we saw and other people have seen. Um, so we're in the depths of a, of a crash of hotel occupancies and revenues, unlike any we've seen. And I'll begin to look forward in, in terms of what forecasters are saying that we'll finish this year at in terms of occupancy. Because we started, you know, January, February, pretty, was pretty strong, pretty strong. Yeah. And so we think we'll have some recovery and we're seeing some examples of that in anecdotally and, and some national data. But they think that we're going to finish this year around 40 percent. And I, I really underlined that when I saw that on a piece of paper, 40 percent. Never seen that before. Because that's significantly lower than your break even, right? It, it yeah, it's it, it it's it's a, I use the, you know we can use hyperbole, but I don't think it's that to say that it's cataclysmic. Um, and the fallout in the hotel industry is going to be uh, it's going to be dramatic. Um, I don't think really people have begun to really understand what that's going to be yet because we've been buoyed by some temporary infusions of capital. We're very appreciative of you know the CARES Act. That we can talk more about that, but uh, some cer- certain kinds of financing, the Paycheck Protection Program, yep. everyone's heard about. And then there's some uh, been we call the, uh, it's the Economic uh, Injury Disaster Loan by S- SBA that's provided some funds to us, and those have been great sources to keep us running. But ultimately, we have to stand on our own feet. And as much as I appreciate Congress providing funds to employees, and that's great and very much appreciated, it, it's the fish, so to speak. We are the fishing pole. 
You know, uh, 61% of America's hotels are, are small businesses. And, um, you know, nationwide of all small businesses, I think there's around 40 million small businesses. They think that, you know, over 30% uh, of those could, could go under in the next six months to a year. Well, we're part of that. Yeah, so it's just the first wave. Yeah, we're, we're essential of to the, the economic Of the economic impacts, not the virus Right, yeah, right. The and, economic that, in my, in my, in my role in the company, I'll, I'll, I'll jump back from the health part to look at the financial part because it's all important. You know, our, ultimately, our, our health is tied to our finances as well. We have right. to have some, some level of prosperity to, to survive and, and uh, have the services that we need as a country. And, um, you know, uh, we, uh, we, uh, we employ so many people. I think I looked and we have, uh, um, I know we have five million guest rooms, and we employ as a nation two point three million people. Looked up, and over eight million other related jobs across the United States. So we support one in twenty-five jobs in the United States, and that's it's huge. Comes from the hotel right. hospitality industry. Yeah, I mean that's a that is a big. I mean that's a that's a number. It's four <clears> percent. <throat> if it's one in twenty-five, right? Yeah. I mean that's four percent. Which, if you're looking at a nation, is a that's a pretty. I mean, so I mean, I don't want to lose like my left elbow down to my hand. That's probably three, four percent of my body, maybe a little <laughs> less. I don't know. But, you know, I wonder, is it is it the business travelers that start the confidence level of, hey, it's OK to get out and go stay in these hotels? What what do you think it's going to be? What do you think? And I know I'm asking you to look into your crystal ball that you don't have, obviously. But, you know, is it the business travelers going back out and or is it, you know, is it the millennials saying, you know what? F it. I'm tired of, you know, everyone telling me what not to do. We're going to go travel and we're going to stay in, you know, in these hotels and we're going to do, we're going to have life as normal. What, what do you think it? Well, it's a great question. And, and uh, what we're seeing right now is that our, our weakest performing properties are the ones that are most driven by corporate business. Those are the companies that, that have said, you know, and, and maybe partly for financial reasons, economic reasons, they've said, hey, you know, just like us, they've had their business hit in dramatic fashion. I don't care if they sell shoes or, you know, uh, medical supplies for non-essential medical services. So many people have been impacted. And so th the first thing they're cutting is their travel budgets. And sure. it, partly in the beginning, it's over health uh, concerns for their employees. And, and now as we move past that and looking past the wave of the pandemic, it's going to be financial concerns. And so we're starting to see some pickup from our corporate travel, but they're the most sluggish group. What we really see that coming back first are, are more of our transient travelers, local Mississippi based people. It may be the contractor who needs to go from, you know, from Starkville over to Amory and yeah. they need to, to, or to up towards Memphis. They need somewhere in between to stay because they've got a job up there. I think they have more of a comfort level and a functional need that they've got to get out. Gotcha. And that so we're seeing those properties and those, those kinds of travelers first. And that makes sense. And I mean, I know like for us, youth sports is beginning to pick back, go to, I'm going to use my, that four letter word again to normal. Um, you know, where teams are getting together and practicing, you know, we have fully plan on, having tryouts this summer, having a new uh, season next year, and then we'll start. Tournaments will start. We'll have to travel for tournaments outside of, you know, our area, some in Mississippi, some, you know, outside of Mississippi. But I fully expect that that's, that's going to be back in place as well. And, you know, for me, I do a lot of – I do a good bit of business travel. Uh, a lot of it is with our, you know, going to our vendors, doing our due diligence. And um, I haven't been afraid – to travel in the last in the last several weeks, but my vendors don't want me coming to their office, and and a lot of them are in lar some of the larger cities too. I mean, like one of them was Houston, a uh, real estate company, and I get it. You know, they're trying to be cautious, I guess. And then the other one is New York, which I'm I'm not super interested in going to New York at the moment, but um, but you know, one of the places we were looking at Hawaii for. A uh, big family vacation this summer. Um, kind of already had it all planned out, had been saving, been chucking away at it. And, dude, Hawaii, if you arrive in Hawaii right now and they just extended it through June 30th, it's a 14-day quarantine. Even if you're traveling from one – if you're a Hawaii resident and you're traveling from one <coughs> island to another island, it's a 14-day quarantine. Who wants to do that? I mean, it's almost – the governor is well, – Who, who is can afford killing. to do that? Yeah. The governor's, governor's killing the – the industry yeah well it's it's 14 days or the duration of your stay i guess i should say that so if your stay is seven days then you have to spend your entire seven days in hawaii in the hotel room and they're only giving you single entry keys 
So if you leave your room and the door shuts, you have to go back to the hotel. The governor has almost forced hotels' hands on this. You have to go back to the front front desk and have to tell them why you left your room and wow. why you need a new key. And I'm like, dude, that is that's and here I go with like on my soapbox. That's insane. I mean, that is absolutely insane. They have one of the lowest levels of 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 cases and lowest levels of death outside of Montana. Montana's the only state per capita that has less deaths than Hawaii. And he's saying, Oh, well, the reason that it's like that is because we've done all these crazy things. And I'm like Okay, well, maybe, but maybe not. Are you going to kill your... Because, I mean, you think about Hawaii. What do they produce? Sugar, coffee, fruits, and tourism, right? Tourism being their largest piece of their economy. Are you going to... Are you literally going to cut your neck off? Because all for the sake of having the lowest number in the... Yeah, travel across states has it, been a, a health concern and, and it's sort of a psychological barrier, as you said, where the, where the line is real and where it's perceived. Yeah. And, you know, it turns into par- paranoia, I'm not sure. But I do think as, as the numbers begin to, to... Or they continue to drop and to fall and, and comfort level comes back and the economics are going to hit even more strongly, especially in vacation areas that are kind of... Sure. They're, they're, I mean, Hawaii is and all the surrounding islands are full of what we call destination hotels. Yeah. Um, they're not really so much for business. You may do business while you're there. It's a great write-off, but yeah, um, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't have any opportunity for that, or I would write it off. <laughs> you know, but uh, places like New York, they're going to be slow to come back. Um, they've been so hard hit. But when we look at the numbers, really, um, you know, uh, it's around a quarter of the of the deaths in the United States, sadly, have been in senior care homes. Yeah. And so, if you're a certain age and you have certain <laughs> characteristics. Those are where the you know the concerns been most, but I think even those we're going to see uh, the tail off in that, and I think we'll see more opening up. But, you know, as a hotel, you're I, I'm concerned about, and I again use the word psychological scarring is how do we convince the corporate customer who's always used one of our conference rooms that hey come back and meet with us, even when the government says it's fine and we're not going to be socially distant anymore. You know, we can put you uh, a AW at a round table and we'll pack you in here for a conference. Are you going to be comfortable? When does the comfort level come back? What does it look like in, in summer of 2021, of 2022? Yeah. Because I did some research, and our industry's uh, number one data analytics firm that we all rely on, the Smith Travel Research. We call them Star Reports. We get occupancy and, and rate data from all of them. And they really are forecasting a, a three-year window of time to where we're going to be back to where we were to get back, you know, just to, to get wow. back to what we'll call our hotel normal. Well, that's, that's a long time. Yeah, I mean, how do you survive that? I mean, and I'm not trying to be a doomsdayist or anything like that, but so if you're saying, if you're saying right now occupancies are down where you're essentially burning cash, right, as a small business owner, and I realize it may step up, but how long can businesses like yours, you know, be able to, to sustain that? Is it well, sustainable? It's, it's going to be different for every hotel, but yeah, you know, that's, that's we, uh, just as we have weekly cycles in terms of how our business flows, we have seasons as well. Right now we're in what typically would be sort of the really strong part of yeah, our, our business year. You know, we're, we come into April and the summer travel really peaks up and it goes strong through August and in September it starts to, de- to decline and we get into the holiday months. Surprisingly people think we all travel on holidays. There, there's some transient travel, but the business that drives us corporate, they're at home. They're spending time with their families. Their families yeah. And so a lot of the hotels across the United States, they lose cash in, in those months. And so if we, aren't, if we aren't putting cash away right now, I'll, I'll, I'll make a little bit of a forecast. As you run towards this PPP funds run out, the disaster loan funds run out, you know, cash reserves run out, you get towards the end of the year and reality starts to hit. Yeah. And there are going to be some hotels that are going to say, I can't make it. And they're going to be, the foreclosures are going to increase. Um, I, I've had some, uh, you know, it's pretty much in my role, I've been doing it. So I'm, I'm not revealing anything in, internal, but every hotelier across America and every financial officer has been working with their banks to try to get some kind of, well, it's not a debt, debt restructuring, but a little bit debt service relief to give us a little time to breathe. The government and, uh, and, uh, tr- and Treasury has been encouraging them to, to work with us uh, to give us that. And so... Um, yeah, because bank- banks don't want to become property owners through bankruptcy. <clears throat> no, they, they uh, don't as a general rule. Pleasure. And so private banks, um, we work with a lot of local banks around, the, around Mississippi, and they've yep. been very good to work with us and give us some time. Uh, there'll be a limited window on that. It doesn't go forever. Right. Because um, they got to make money too. Right, yep. right. And for the... 
the, the more difficult properties, the ones that are wrapped into the, the complex structures that we all know and love called CMBS loan structures, the yeah. mortgage backed securities that flow into sort of trust like uh, packages of loans with other hotels and similar assets. And they have multiple classes of, of investors in those uh, um, up, up tier. And so to negotiate your way through the, those is a, is a Byzant, Byzantine kind of discussion with multiple parties. There's literally a primary servicer, a special servicer, and a master servicer. And there's different investor classes. So it takes months just to work your way through that. And um, they're, they, they're playing a little bit of a, um, you know, use the word pro, a poker game for a property that's lightly leveraged. Um, they're not going to, they're really what I'm hearing. So they're not offering people anything. There's some properties I think they're okay with taking back. Okay. And for the one they just refinanced, it's still highly leveraged and not the greatest market. They're offering some ways to, Hey, help, we'll, we'll help you out. But they're, uh, just a little anecdotal evidence too, in the state of Texas, a couple years ago, oil was price was high yep. valuations, of hotel, super high. A lot of owners went in and got, you know, cash out, non-recourse refinancings. And right now, oil, you know where it's at. Yeah. And hotel valuations really don't have, in that, that market, don't have a lot of prospects. So they're already handing keys back to the CMBS uh, lenders. Wow. Uh, so you can think of the numbers of those. And those, those are pockets. They're, they indicate each situation geographically and structurally and financial leverage-wise is its own little case. But as we see them add up across the Fruited Plains, you know, the number's going to accumulate over the next year. Yeah, I mean, Mississippi and <clears throat> Texas are very structurally different. And I think you may have said it, uh, a hotel in Kansas and a ho and the Palm Beach Marriott are two, are totally, two different totally different things. Yeah, just not only in rate, but the, the suite of services that you provide and the considerations you have, your, your type of traveler, you know, yep. your rate sensitivity. Um, so, yeah, very different. No, indeed. Hey, Neil. I am I am fascinated to see how some of the big city properties, like I think about, you know, places in Atlanta and Chicago and, and places that I've I've gone in the past that are, you know, they're in, in the city and it's it's pretty much a full service hotel and the rates are kind of high, but the, the, they have a lot of business travelers and those business travelers either aren't going to travel anymore or they're not going to travel with the same frequency. And I just wonder what keeps those hotels in business. Well, they're going to, you know, they may be looking at a different business model permanently going forward. Yeah. And how does that work? How do they cash flow? You know, we talk about uh, changes in, you know, uh, over time and, you know, is, you know, how's, how is the, all the remote video conferencing going to play into yeah. our business? If you've gotten a comfort level with, hey, I can meet with John over in New York remotely and this has worked out really well. Why do we need to Why spend travel? on travel and yeah. risk it? We'll just do that. So if you cut back half your travel, it doesn't take, you know, rocket scientists to figure out if my oxygen are running 65%, you know, I'll lose about 10 points in my business. Now I'm near break even. And it's a head scratching moment for what it means for the industry. So it's another impact. Yeah. And, I, and, and I know we need to, Neil, we may, uh, maybe a good breaking point to, to, uh, to, to pay some bills too, but I want to roll back to Bob too, because he had some, He's done it with one of his properties, kind of alluded to earlier. They they shifted uh, a, a property away from being a hotel into essentially repurposing it into something else. And, and I wanted to chat with him about if, if that's a p potential viable um, option for a lot of these, you know, kind of maybe smaller or mom and pop um, businesses. But All right. We'll touch on that in just a minute. Let me tell you, this podcast is also brought to you in part by the refrigeration company, TRC, owned and operated by Jeremy Watler. He's been in the refrigeration field for more than 20 years, including five as a national service manager. At TRC, they understand that great service means being responsive, and their highly trained, responsible, dedicated staff are available 24-7 to ensure your complete satisfaction. They specialize in ammonia refrigeration, but they work on any other HFC, HCFC, or CO2 systems. They're building winning relationships with customers in baking, cold storage warehouses, ice production facilities, and facilities serving dairy, food, poultry, and catfish processing. They're based in uh, Spanish Fort, Alabama, but they are uh, licensed in uh, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, and South Carolina as well. They can handle all of your company's refrigeration needs, including installation, fabrication, service, compressor rebuilds, ammonia detection, calibration, vibration analysis, and more. To learn more, call Jeremy Wattler, 251-348-8533 or email him at jeremy at therefrigco.com. That's jeremy at T-H-E-R-E-F-R-I-G-C-O.com. And um, you can follow them at uh, Facebook or at their website, therefrigco.com. 
And we're brought to you by Elite Dental Care, offices throughout West Tennessee and Germantown, Jackson, and Trenton. Elite Dental Care has five doctors with more than 75 years of combined experience and with their different areas of expertise. The doctors at Elite Dental Care offer convenience along with the latest in technology. They offer both conscious sedation, IV sedation for patients that are anxious or scared, or uh, for those that might not be fearful but just have a lot of work to do and can't afford to take time off work for multiple visits. With sedation, Elite Dental Care is able to get much more work done in one visit which ultimately saves the patient time and money. So if you're looking for a dentist in West Tennessee or the Memphis area, call Dr. Mark Harper, Dr. Clint Buchanan, and Dr. Mike Farah at Elite Dental Care. It's EliteDentalCare.com, or follow them on Facebook and or Instagram. Martin? Awesome. Um, so one of the things, you know, uh, Bob kind of alluded to it when we, in the very beginning of the show, but one of the things that, uh, and he and I talked, chatted a little bit. I, I found it, I found it pretty, pretty fascinating too. And I, I know, yeah, I think Neil, did you get in trouble for using the word fascinating? Uh, uh, yeah, I was criticized for using it too much. <laughs> and I, I, I had to tell people that when you talk as much as I do on podcasts throughout the course of a week, I don't remember what I said. I can't remember what I said <laughs> 10 minutes ago, much less what I said like two weeks ago. I mean, I, I'm in, the, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I can't remember much of what I said yesterday. I constantly stay in trouble with my wife and other people for that but anywho um so now the word fascinating is going to be stuck in my head the, i'm yeah, definitely going to be saying it at least 10 times you're now. going to say fascinating at least 10 times today and probably is now a part of your repertoire of of, of words you'll use but so one of the and bob I, I i think from high level and i'll let you get into the details it's like one of your properties maybe wasn't performing like you guys wanted it to and you had this idea or you guys had this idea of of repurposing it into to something else transforming it um, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite stories, and and I love as as a small business person, you know, we're out to serve our communities and and put assets to what we would call a highest, highest and best use. Yeah, and it became clear uh, we had a, a country in the suites in Meridian, um, Mississippi, that um, was in a in a market that had a, a number of new hotels. The brand itself had struggled nationwide, so you know it's no reflection of us as operators. We do the best that we can, but it became clear that after ten years, that it really didn't have a future as a hotel. So sat back and looked at the demographics and saw that um, although the, the town's not really growing a lot, the, the senior population's growing double digits. Yeah. And I had some, some family history with the town and began to, to take out a piece of paper and scratch out what would it look like to convert this home to senior care? In what form of senior care? And uh, as hoteliers, you know, we're used to the business side, the way that we do things. So we kind of had to train ourselves um, and, and kind of just soak ourselves in knowledge and information conferences to really learn about it and, and learn the whole spectrum of business that you can do anything from just senior apartments where people just live there to assisted living sort of in, in the mid range where we people live there. There also can be very independent and have their own car. Um, but we also provide all the meals we can provide a suite of services to help them, but we're short of, um, you know, a full nursing like home care. where yeah, yeah or a memory care unit those are on a whole different um, level so we picked the mid uh, point is the best way to serve the community and in our hotel we were just so fortunate you know a lot of hoteliers will talk about hey i want to convert my hotel but there's certain features that need to, to be there to make it really work well um, regulatory wise for example our windows need to be able to open most hotels they don't by franchise standards ours did made it very easy but we did have, you know, just uh, there were some capital challenges and some logistical ones. We took a swimming pool, filled it in, and made it into a dining room. We took some adjacent space and made it a commercial kitchen. Not very easy, um, and that took uh, a fair amount of budget and some time. But overall, we transformed it into a property we were very proud of. It was a 64-room hotel. We created some community space and, uh, you know, with, with uh, some other space uh, dedicated to salon and a fitness room became a therapy room for physical therapy. We ended up with a 60-room property that can serve up to 70 people uh, with some double occupancy. So we're very proud of that. And, and it's kind of, I think, is a roadmap for how we can look forward with other similar properties in, in the U.S. If you've got something that's maybe in a market where you've got a great, you know, bricks and sticks, and maybe it's in a great location, there may be a way just to repurpose it. And uh, we see ourselves doing that and looking uh, forward. Yeah, and I mean, and so it was kind of, it really was, I'm going to use the word again, fascinating, too, that, uh, you know, and that may be something that happens with a, a lot of the properties that, especially if there is, as you described earlier, you know, you realize, hey, I can Zoom a meeting with a, with someone and, and you know, in the op hotel's occupancy rates fall below 
you know, what's sustainable for them long-term. Maybe it is a repurposing, figuring out, you know, Hey, where's the puck going? And, you know, and that's the thing we're always trying to figure out as, as advisors to our clients too, is, you know, the world looks different today than it did two months ago. You know, I, when all this Corona stuff started, you know, I mean, our, I'll be honest about it. I was telling my clients, this, you know, this is not going to be a big deal. This is, it's going to happen. It's going to, we're going to have a little bit of pain, you know, short term. And then, you know, we're going to move through this. And then, you know, I'll be damned if we didn't shut the damn economy down. And I was like, I would have never expected that a virus would, would kill our economy, you know? Uh, yeah. And- we, were, we were talking about this earlier, Martin. I mean, the, the whole economy is, is such a, I use the word symbiotic kind of relationship, all the yeah. pieces and parts. And, and I equate it to the, the great wave our beachhead got hit first right along with airlines and cruise ships. Yeah. You know, we were the fr- the brunt of it. And I know people, if if you know me, you're probably tired by now of me talking about, it, about how hard we've been hit. But uh, I think a lot of other businesses think, maybe restaurants are right in that, but other ones think, well, I- I'm immune to it. But ultimately, we're all interconnected. Yeah, it's and like it's the so, wet part of the ocean. Yeah, it's going to hit and it's going to affect everybody. I mean, that wave may not have hit your beach yet, but it will in some form or fashion. And so as, as asset holders and, and, and business owners, you know, it's incumbent upon us to try to look and find the best thing to do for it and for, for that investment. And we found that, I mean, the hotel that was worth this much, and I'm, I'm demonstrating graphically yeah, our, with our my hands. can't see. I'm not going to use it's a, a dollar number. amount, but it, it's worth, it was easily worth, and I'm going to use, I'll go ahead and say this. It was worth easily three, three times as much as it was as a hotel at that point in time. And, and that's a, a, a testament to the strength of that different business. I, and I, I literally sat down with a bank and they told me the bank credit committee and the loan officers are all sitting there, the board, and they said, you're telling me I can take this building and just change it over senior living and it's going to be worth this much? And I told them, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I'm, and I'm thankful to my bank because they believed in us. Yeah. Um, and so we made that happen. It's a great asset for the community as well. And, and as you look at across America, we're aging population. Um, so, uh, we're, you know, that you're going to see that happen more and more. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure we'll probably see a lot of creative things coming out of, and that's, I said this in a couple podcasts ago too, is, you know, stuff like this happens, the coronavirus stuff happens, we'll have, we have something that impacts us, and I, I love the creativity that comes out of, you know, afterwards of things like this. There's going to be, you know, it sucks right now, because it does suck right now. There'll be something, and not just, you know, there'll be something across many industries that's that's going to come. I mean, my biggest uh, lament right now is, uh, you know, that there, there isn't a whole lot of sports. Um, you know, and it's funny. I've, I've, I've the comments for some folks saying, you know, hey, look, we're, you know, we're in this period of time and we're not talking about athletes because they're not important. And I get exactly what they're trying to say. You know, it's hey, it's our healthcare workers are important. It's our restaurants, our, you know, supply trains, our truck drivers. But, but man, sports are that is where I really have gone to uh, just like not think to just sit there and mindless. It's like mindless self-indulgence. Right. Um, and I need some mindless self-indulgence. And anyway, I kind of got off on a little, well, that's all part tangent, of part, that's all important for the health of, of our country's people. You know, you, you like health, uh, I mean, you like sports and, and that, that's part of your, your mental health part of you, not just satisfaction but I, I we like to we like sports as well we also like concerts yeah and no, those, absolutely. Those are all, they're all going, going now. to concerts you know we had harry connick jr that was here right as the pandemic edge was here and in fact our concert may have been his last and it was so great to hear him you know perform in jackson um but we need to see those kinds of things comes back they're they're important we have to leave and they're vital to the they're vital to the travel business they're vital to hospitality like i, I was thinking about just the just the major league baseball teams themselves, all yeah. the travel that they do, the hotels in which they stay, the, their travel parties, you know, 75 rooms. Those rooms are booked, uh, you know, throughout the season. Fans come to games in yeah, they Atlanta, sure do. And Atlanta and St. Louis and Chicago and Milwaukee and, and Starkville uh, and Oxford Cincinnati. And Cincinnati. I'm talking about professional yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, and, and so in those, in those cities, like I was thinking about a trip that Carson and I were going to take this summer to Cincinnati to see the Cubs and, I mean, you know, think of all of the Cubs fans that were going to travel to Cincinnati because they always do for a four-game weekend. And they were going to stay in hotels and they were going to eat at restaurants yeah. and they were going to drink at bars. And, and it is the trickle-down is, is, is remarkable. When you think about all of that being taken away for an entire 
an entire season for the most part. Yeah. Uh, as we as we are recording this, uh, Iowa State University just became the first school to publicly announce their social distancing plans for their stadium. They just announced that they're going to uh, they're they're going to go with a fifty percent plan uh, for the season, barring uh, you know new information coming forward. No individual games tickets are going to be sold. So people, you know, going in that case to Ames to, hey, I'm going to drop in. I'm going to get a ticket to the Iowa State-Oklahoma game. It's no more. And so you take away, instead of having 60,000 people at an Iowa State game, you'll have 30,000 people. Well, do, do, the, do the math on what that means for hotels and motels in the Ames area. And, you know, and that's, hey, man, that's, that's the stuff that's going to happen in the southeast and Starkville and Oxford and the surrounding areas. And that's going to leave an economic impact that is going to be catastrophic. Yeah, it's like that that second wave that Bob was just talking about, um, you know, and, and it's the wet part of the ocean. It's everything, everything is connected, um, you know, and everything is impacted. And we're just beginning to see how it's going to shake out. You know, uh, as Bob said, they were the, they were the first beachhead that got smoked, the air, the airline, air travel, you know, hospitality restaurants. But yeah, I think you're, I, I think you're spot on Neil. It's, you know, there is going to be this ripple effect of, of, uh, of, of impact and you know and I, and I wonder how far it'll go before yeah, and I, and I we hope, just say F it and right and, and Neil, it's not worth the economic death yes and I, I hope those decisions are made based on science and health and not on and I'm going to use this word the legal liability side because I think there's and I'm going to have to yeah. say this there's some political pressure and there's some uh, legal liabilities pressures on everybody now if you don't do something if anybody gets sick you, you know your consequences could be tougher and so you know i want to make sure i mention as we're discussing that congress is looking at some uh, liability reform to to indemnify us from pandemic losses um from people suing us it's a, it's very important trial lawyers are already lining up and they'll be they'll, they'll, the they'll vehemently oppose it but it's very important for us to get back on our feet um yeah i mean yeah, are, are you I, saying are you saying that some people are making decisions for political reasons in the midst of a pandemic? I mean, I would never. Hold on. That would never hold happen, on. Neil. We never would happen. never we suspect are, that, right? We are fifty-one minutes into a podcast, and you are going to drop a take like that. That is burying the lead, sir. Are are, are uh, the are the feds going to show up at our doorsteps tonight? It, it, listen, listen. Here's the thing, though. I've talked to people at these stadiums. All seriousness. The people that that are running these schools, and the the whole liability concern is absolutely keeping them up at night yeah a a you know a positive test leads to a hospitalization which leads to a death and there is an attempt made by the person's family to trace it back to a game at fill in your favorite stadium.com and <laughs> the fear of of losing that of, of having to litigate that the fear of the pr hit is it's real and now it's going to have to at some point be balanced against the fear of the economic loss. And I'm, as we get closer to September, I'm going to get more and more fascinated. Oh, frankly, I'm going to be... He just frankly, used the word. Yeah, there we go. Everybody drink. From now on, that's going to be a drinking game. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we'll start taping in the evenings. Um, <laughs> no, but you know what will be interesting, seriously, is let's say in August, this thing is... Just non-existent. The heat kills it off like it kills off so many viruses. And in August, this thing's just not really around. I mean, David Muir is opening his newscast with in new dramatic numbers, but there are no numbers. And when that happens, what's stopping Major League Baseball? Like we mentioned those markets. Pick one, Atlanta, in a place like Georgia that's wide open, where the Braves go, yeah, this is stupid. We're selling tickets. I mean, we're yep. letting people in. I mean, it's it's 100 degrees, it's 207% humidity, and the, the, the Phillies are in town. And you know what? Everybody come out to the ballpark. What's stopping them when the governor says, go for it, do it? And I just keep kind of waiting for that moment. Someone's going to be first to hit yep. the effort button. Yep, and then we'll and, all fall into it. And, and then it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I dare say that it will be uh, drink up fascinating. Yep. Yeah, I've wondered the same thing that's happening is, is hotel CEOs are feeling that burden to, we, we've got to do something. We, we've got to show something. We want to give guests the comfort level, but there's also some some protection I think we're doing for liability reasons. And I hope we can get past that and all, you know, live as 
you know, as we, I don't want to ever use that word new normal. We were talking about that, yeah. Martin. I want to go back to normal, normal, where we go to concerts, we enjoy life, we sit and have a cup of coffee with people at a table without fear that we're too close. Yeah. Because that, life is about socialization, and without that, you indeed. Know, I mean, the one my and I, I, there's one more thing I want to cover with you before we bolt off too. My brother bought us tickets for my birthday this year. We had a Wilco. And he, he sprung, and my brother is not a gift giver, so this was really weird that, that it happened too. But So he sprung for front row seats for Wilco at Thymar Hall, um, and it was on my birthday. They were here, on, and of course, my, birth, my birthday is April 11th, so that did not happen. And I was bummed, dude, because, I mean, Wilco is a great band, especially live. And there's something about, in, for me, consuming live music is, man, it just, I don't know, it is it is. I guess good for the soul too. And, uh, yeah, I, I loathe, I loathe that that didn't happen. Um, but anyway, I can't do anything about it now. Um, before we roll one more thing for you to cover, I know that risk management is super important for, you know, all businesses as well. Uh, a lot of folks had, um, you know, disruption insurance in their businesses with, um, you know, with if a virus happens and you can't bring in revenue, hopefully you were going to have some type of disruption insurance. And a lot of people got surprised. A lot of businesses got surprised that they had the insurance, but it. Yeah, you know, well, we most hoteliers um, we have business interruption insurance. Yeah, I, I we had a hotel in Tupelo a sleep in that was hit directly by a tornado several years ago, yep. a catastrophic loss. And our insurer stepped in, and, and uh, we really appreciated it. We had with our business interruption policy, they gave us some cash to get on our feet. It helped us to keep rolling, and so we all kind of have those policies are based on the the P and L, um, you know, numbers that what you would need. And we had those in place, yep. and, and that was pretty much true for most responsible hoteliers across the United States. Yeah. But guess what? They There's have these little endorsements in their policy that exclude viruses, and so already. It's already lining up in federal court. I, I have an attorney who's filling me in on how it's evolving, but there's lawsuit after lawsuit trying to peel away that and, and, and make force private insurers to cover us under the pandemic. Um, and, and without getting to the legality of that, it's going to play out over several years. I, I want to I both note and thank, I've called uh, Congressman Guest's office and Senator Roger Wicker's office. Both of them have very, been very receptive They in, in, in the midst of this crazy chaos. They've taken my phone call so graciously and emailed me. But I've thrown out the idea that just like we have national flood insurance program because the risk is too broad and too deep for any for private any insurer, insurer to carry. Yep, absolutely. We, no, no insurer has the pockets to cover this. Right. It, it's so broad. So we have to have, I think, a national uh, pandemic insurance program. And here's why it's important. For our industry and similar ones like it, I'll include restaurants, for us to move forward in a healthy way, we have to have a way both to finance new projects and to refinance existing term, uh, debt that's going to term out. Uh, every year there's $50 billion of hotel debt that terms out and has to be re refinanced. It's going to churn this year. What's going to happen to that $50 billion? Because I've sat with bank credit committees before, and, and look, they're more conservative than, than a Baptist Deacon committee. You know, it's just the way it is. There are, there's already some fear of hotels already in, in yep. terms of the risk profile. Now I'm going, to set, I'm going to step to the table, and I'm going to say, Mr. Banker, I want you to loan me uh, $6 million for this new hotel. Well, how are you covering that risk? Well, I, I don't have a policy available that will do that. Yeah. How, I'm asking them to provide money with unlimited uninsured risk, and it presents an, an untenable scenario for both them and me. So we have to have something. And I've, I've asked, uh, please, uh, for our, our Congress people, both House and Senate, to look at it and try to find a way to make that to cover that because you know we're, we've all been in crisis mode i get that we've been trying to provide infusion of working capital yep but if we don't look ahead the next wave is going to hit, hit us yep no i agree with you and, and you know and it's not like you're asking for a handout you're saying hey i'm going to pay for this but just i want to know that i'm i'm giving you my premium dollars every month or quarter or six months or year however you pay it and i just want to know that in the event that the proverbial defecation hits the oscillation the shit hits the fan that that I'm going to be able, that I have, I, I do have what I thought I paid for, where there was a lot of people who thought they had coverage for, you know, a disruption. And then, so they're like, Hey, we're going to be okay. We have this insured only to find out that they don't. 
the right. fine print says, yeah, there's, hey, bud, sorry, we don't cover. Yeah, there's no more sinking specific. feeling to find out your house that flooded wasn't really insured. Or to find out your hotel that, you know, is has this problem has been largely shut down. Is, doesn't have an insurer that's going to stand behind that loss. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and a lot of Mississippians felt that in Katrina as right. well. And so it's kind of like a, a double whammy. Anyway, Neil, um, do you do you have any other – I know we're kind of bumping on time, so I just wanted to – do you have any other questions or anything else you want before No, we... I, I think we covered it. Uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting stuff because it's, it's something I've, I've wondered a lot about. There are a lot of hotels and, and, and restaurants around hotels and travels that I've done over the years that uh, I've grown to care for. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean I've, I've grown to have, like, positive memories for them, and you see the same people at them and – you know, when I went to run the Chicago Marathon a couple of times and, and I would go to the same places just for superstition. And those yeah. were places that, you know, that when Carson and I would go to Chicago a lot to see the Cubs, we'd go to a lot of the same kind of family owned restaurants there in Chicago. And I wonder how they're doing. I wonder how the hotels where we've always stayed, places where, you know, he and I've made memories. Well, I wonder where, where, what, how they're doing because they depended so much on tourism and it's fascinating. I, it, I use that word again, but it is. I, I, I worry about them. I, I, I'm trashed right now. I, <laughs> I, I, I just kind of worry about how they function and wh- whether this, when it's all said and done, how how, how in the world are we going to say it was worth it? I, that's 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 what I wonder. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it hasn't been. So it's been three months. Maybe they can. Maybe if things open back up this fall, they can recover. And I don't know what the what the drop dead time is where there's so much damage is done that it's non-recoverable. I don't know whether we're there yet or how much longer there is. And I, I know it differs for different businesses, but you yeah. know, how long before the damage is to a point where it's, yeah, no, it's not, no re- it's back. not reparable. You yeah. know, it's like a cancer diagnosis. If they catch it early, you know, a lot of times you, you, you can get through it, but if they catch it near in stage four or five, there's nothing they can do. So hopefully we're catching it somewhat early, but we'll see. Yeah. I hope so. Well, I want to thank both of you guys again for having me today, yeah. Neil and uh, Martin. You, pleasure to be on the show. Absolutely, man. Thanks for coming in. It was really interesting. I really appreciate you. Bob, yeah, Bob, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. Really enjoyed it. Hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it again. Thank for, you. Uh, for, thank you so much. For uh, Bob Anderson, I'm, I'm uh, Neil McCready for Martin Palomo as well. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Mind on the Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Don't forget, it's pintrust.com. P-I-N-N-Trust.com. When you get in touch with them, tell them that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on this podcast. And uh, you'll get 10% off your first year's fees. Until next week, take care.